Thanks for tuning into Power Athlete Radio. Andrea Hootie oversees the Athlete Strength Complex on the KU campus, and she works specifically with the men's and women's basketball teams. In 2013, she received the NSCA Collegiate Strength and Conditioning Coach of the Year Award. In total, Coach Hootie has personally worked with 39 athletes that have gone on to play in the NBA. And if you're thinking right about now, fuck, she is a great coach. You're absolutely right. Hear how she's infused science into the course of her programs and how she's managed to ignore the stigma of female strength coaches. Incredible insight from a truly accomplished leader in the field. This is episode 283. Power Athlete Nation. What is up? Is happening. I'm going with what's happening. Oh, I like what's happening. What's happening. This is Luke. You're also here with Tex. Tex, say hi, Tex. Hi, my name is Tex. (laughs) Classic robot Tex. (laughs) And John, featured guest. Another feature. (laughs) Special guest, John Wellborn on the Power Athlete Radio. Of Power Athlete Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, before we get going, I have an announcement to make. One that you've never heard before. Don't you fucking hit that fast forward 30 seconds button. I know what you're doing, okay? December 7th, 8th, and 9th. It is going down in Austin, Texas. Get your tickets to the Power Athlete Symposium. People, a three-day life-changing experience that is going to force feed you. I like extravaganza. This extravaganza is going to force feed you unfiltered, uncut, unadulterated knowledge. And it's just for 275 bucks. Like a fire hose. Listen, what do all these names have in common? Pop quiz, robot text. John Wellborn. They're all guests on Power Athlete Radio. Dr. Kara Miller. Keep going. Roth Ruiz. Rob Wolf. For real. Brian Mann. Brad Schneider. Lindsey Matthews. Jim Kilbasso Sausage. Dr. Tom Incladon. Real human Chris McQuilkin. <laughs> and Tate Fletcher. Yeah, maybe they have been on here. But you know what? We got to know them. And we've selected, hand-selected, who we want to hear from. And who we want you to rub elbows with at the 2018 Power Athlete Symposium in Austin, Texas. So come in, hang out. We have all sorts of fun shit in store for you. It's going to be at Native Event Center. It's a really trippy ATX-style, Austin, Texas-style hostel. It's got fucking restaurant right on board. It's going to be epic. And most exciting of this is Friday night. Your opportunity to participate in the, not so, silent auction for Wade's Army. Tex. Wade's Army is our 501c3, and we're taking on the challenge of childhood cancer. So the government is not giving enough money towards research, and the money that people do take for research, it's not directed towards helping the kids in the fight. They're taking adult treatments and applying research to the children. We know this is a... that is not the approach to take, so we take matters into our own hands. We are, one, leading the education for kids and parents in terms of nutrition. We're going to build kitchens in hospitals. We are supplying a a research grant towards uh, international, so a European study here that we know is, is directed towards our mission, our goal, and we are taking funds to directly support families in needs. And a lot of our kids, we are in the contact with one of our boys, Braden. You can check up on the hero on our website, wadesarmy.org. He needs your thoughts, your prayers, your, your positive energy as he goes into this fight. So, Brandon, check him out. And we're continuing to take on more families and 
and support them in need. So silent auction support. Let's talk about the silent auction. We got some good things to silent auction, but it's also the not so silent auction. And the best part is uh, I think it's open bar and we get to hang out and bid on stuff and talk and really just have a epic ability to converse and interact. So if you're there may be one one (sighs) option to earn a a open bar for one individual and a friend. That might be one of the oh. items. Ooh. And we, we also did have... Do you think, John, also we would the, open bar every fucking asshole who comes with this thing? And uh, I mean asshole in an endearing way, my friends. Oh, that's No right. way. You don't want me on an open bar. Yeah, open bar, dude. Let me get well, six there's also, uh, <laughs> there's also the infamous what's in John Walborn's pocket. Oh, let's item. not even go there. Hang on. But there, yes. And then we also have... Intel, so our, our sponsors and our partners are making this thing possible, this event and this auction. Sorenex, PowerDot, Train Heroic, Intech, Trueform. We got... John's Brothers Law Firm, Stay Classy Meats, and Thorn. Like you're, you can expect to see swag from those guys, right? So Stay Classy Meats, you're probably going to see a meat box there. Thorn, uh, my is brother's. Us up. Uh, I don't think my brother. You know, he's not. You know, obviously licensed here in Texas, but I know he would probably donate like a free DUI you know, representation. <laughs> so if you're from California, <laughs> drink and drive, baby. Go ahead. That's yeah, a joke, people. Free. That's a joke. Yeah, that's a joke. Uh, but yeah, th- you're good. One thing that we are finishing up right now is custom power athlete bumper plates from Thorn. Right, Intech, or I'm sorry, yeah, Intech. Thank you, Tex. Custom Power Athlete bumper plates from Intech. So we have four sets of those that are going to go on auction. Yeah, we're leaving what, with. What those. do they look I'm, like? I'm bidding on those. So they are. They have our Power Athlete nameplate along the top arc and under on the bottom arc. We have Eat the Week. They're fucking epic. Let's throw that picture in the show notes, Callie. Okay, enough about us. Well, I guess, or not. Go to events.powerathletehq.com and get your tickets now. People. I would venture to say that if you are in the Power Athlete methodology or the Block 1 and you are not there, you are going to be missing out. This is your opportunity to get in, and if you ever dreamed of working with us and hanging out, this is your opportunity because we remember hanging out with people at the symposium. It's by far my favorite event yeah. and the coolest thing we do all year. So if you're on the fence... And get to you're know our people in, in like in you New Braunfels, get to know, yeah. our buddy Jake, all of our Block One guys. I mean, think of yeah. think of all the people we get to hang out with. And also, the, we're hanging out with the speakers. You get to rub yeah. elbows. You want an internship at University of Miami? Fucking Brian Mann's right there. Yeah. You, you want to talk to Rob Wolf about anything? He'll be there. But like but Red Lobster? <laughs> Red Lobster shooter? My treat. Nutrient density? <laughs> hey, Rob, can we talk about nutrient density? He'll fucking spin your deal. And then he'll probably get you in a rear naked or a Kimura. Yeah. Oh, or you want to challenge Rob Wolf? Yeah, Rob Wolf sort of had a wrestling uh, he, match. He's, well, bring, he's bringing his uh, he, he's bringing his uh, his geek because he wants to roll a little. And I said, dude, let's go do it. I will fucking smash you. All right, here's my mission for the three days to get Tate and Rob to roll. I'm going to start saying, hey, Tate said this about you, Rob. Yeah. Now we're talking. Uh, I just want to go uh, do a little stick fighting with Tate. I'm going to I'm out. I'm going to make some sticks and I'm going to just going to like I'm going to take them there. I'm just going to slide them across the Tate and be like, hey, there's two sticks there. We should go outside and fucking beat each other up with them. Let's do it. I like it. So be there if you uh, want to see Because Ruiz will be there. And I know Ruiz, we know how to stick fight, dude. I know how to. Ruiz I, versus I got a little Tate bit. Fletcher. Oh, that's it. That's the. Uh, Master Splinter. Move. All of a sudden, we're going to have to bring him in in his cage. Well, I learned martial arts from my master from my cage as I was a rat. I wonder how Tate's to is. 
So Tate will probably like rip his shirt off, right? And then Roth will be in his blue jeans, his white uh, pearl snap shirt, and then his like Columbia vest, and he'll just like pull out of the back <laughs> his fucking stick. <laughs> like Roth, what else is back? Like, like, battle girl. axe. You're like Mortal Kombat. Battle axe M4. Like Roth is just totally fucking. <laughs> How'd you get on the play with that? Uh, don't, don't ask. Yeah. Yeah. Don't ask questions. It's like when we went to Australia and they fucking hemmed him up. Uh, well, without further ado. Yeah, let's get into our podcast guest. We have Andrea Hootie on. She is, let me pull up this. She's working at KU, right, yes. Tex? So the assistant athletic director at Kansas, University of Kansas, and the head strength and conditioning coach for men's basketball. So we are, we are flipping on basketball this weekend, and we are cheering for yes. our gal Andrea. So strap yourselves in, people. Let's hear what she has to say. Andrea, we're connecting through a couple of mutual friends at the University of Texas. One, Donnie Mabe, who's been in the strength game, and he's a power athlete radio alum. Woo. And then Mr. Coach Zach Zillner. So he's head women's basketball strength and conditioning coach, and he is a KU alum and one of your former employees. Yes, and as I said before, it took Zach 30 years to uh, graduate from undergrad. What's uh, <laughs> even stranger is uh, he's only 40 years old, so I'm wondering how old he was when he went to college. It's a bit above average. Yeah, that's right. I'll tell you, if I could have stayed in college for 30 years, um, it would have been a good time. I wouldn't have any money. Yeah. But I had to get out. You should have seen the place I lived in. It was like I, d- I had to leave. I just had to graduate to get out of the house. I was living in with my buddies. And then didn't you just move into another place with all your buddies? Listen, John, those are details, and then I had to get out of that place, too. <laughs> so, lot, yada, 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 here I am in Austin. So, Andrea, four listeners, if we don't mind getting Wait, a we have four listeners? Four listeners. No, we're not that high yet. Would you mind introducing yourself, how you got into the strength game, and then your, your current position at KU? Okay, my name is Andrea Hootie, and I'm Assistant Athletic Director for Sports Performance at Kansas University. Uh, My primary sport responsibility is men's basketball. I've been here for 14 seasons, going on 15. Um, Before here, I was at the University of Connecticut for nine and a half. Um, I've been fortunate to work with a lot of great coaches and good mentors and just great researchers and people. I've been surrounded by good people. And I think, um, you know, you go with that and you go with your integrity and you, you have a successful career. And I'm continuing to do that. I've been lucky to do that. I've been lucky to only be at two places also. So mm-hmm. that, that's kind of unheard of for our industry. Um, yeah. Uh, I got my master's degree in sport biomechanics at UConn. I have an undergrad in Kines, and I'm almost done with my MBA here at Kansas. I love this place so much, I figured I'd get a degree here, you know, and be a true Jayhawk. Um, yeah, and, and I guess, you know, we were talking before, my, my interest in force production started when I was 14. I could go into a gym and jump and grab the rim. And as a 14-year-old female, um, you know, that, that's pretty you know, unheard of, especially for somebody who's less than a little bit less than five, eight. So, you know, you go in, jump and become a high performing person. And then the next day after going through a two or three hour practice, you're barely touching the bottom of the net. And it was like, what's going on, you know, in terms of that power, you know, how do you get it to be as consistent as you can and not be all over the map? And so my curiosity for force production started when I was 14 
And um, the aptitude tests that I took in junior high school were like, they, they said I was supposed to be an auto mechanic and my mom wasn't down with that. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of have a mechanical brain. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I can't, I can't add and I can't write, but I can put something together. Right. There you go. <laughs> so Ikea furniture then. <laughs> yes, I'm biomechanic. your girl. Biomechanic. <laughs> oh, you know, folks. techs can't yeah. put together a Kia furniture. But I'm a biomechanic. I'm a coach. Uh huh. Yeah. Right. And, <laughs> and you, you talk about net. So well, also you can't touch the bottom of the rim. Well, that's well, the bottom of the net. Or the bottom of the net. I was like, you know, I'm pretty sure there's a couple the guys here at this table that can't touch the bottom of the net. Well, coach, I'm curious. I'm about less than five eight as well. How do you do it? <laughs> Are you wearing high heels these days? <laughs> no, I got an inch and a half heel on my boots. We know this. Boot height, baby boot height. Oh, sorry, sorry. I, my, I don't know how I keep forgetting. And that ability took you to the University of Maryland for volleyball, correct? Yes. Yeah. And, um, I was actually a better basketball player at the time. And um, I, I was getting recruited for basketball, but I blew out my knee uh, on several occasions, which looking back now on the difference between basketball and an outside hitter and power production and breaking and all these things, it was like a, I self-selectorized based on how I could produce force, which was as an outside hitter more through the hip. But in basketball, I couldn't play anymore because it was breaking through the ankle and knee and it just wasn't comfortable. I couldn't do it. So um, it was interesting that I picked a sport that I was able to do based on my injury. So you know, my, my mission in life is uh, to, to create a healthy, high-performing athlete who knows how to recover. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sounds crazy. I don't know, I know that. Right? <laughs> so, did you have any coaches that guided this, or were you just trying to solve this problem of performance on your own? Um, I would say my family, because it was I was the youngest of five and in a highly competitive uh family and they were always training so they all played college sports and I had a curiosity for it and I always wanted to just play and compete with whatever they were doing I always say I grew up in in the like the first fear factor because we had consequences for every race or everything that you lost it was like you had to eat an onion like an apple or you had to run up and down the gravel driveway in your bare feet hang on these are like the family laws yeah, I like this stuff. Hang on. Is it are these types of laws enforced in the Wellborn household? Uh, ours had to do more with like whoever lost. It was straight up like head or gut. Yeah. You guys would play the game head or gut. And I was like, okay, loser gets head or gut. And What's it, that? No, what is no. punch in the gut? Uh so Oh, you get punched in the head or the gut? So you basically call the punch you want, but the person doesn't have to adhere to what you select. <laughs> and then you just say so you'd be like head or gut, and you'd be like head and you just get punched in the stomach. Or you say say if sometimes you say head and you just get punched in the head. Yeah. So I would that, yeah, that was a majority. Head punches. Yeah, that was the majority of uh yeah like the liver punch the rib yeah so it was head or gut was our big one i'm, I'm the youngest of three i got two older brothers and uh so yeah. I, I think it works out you like know that. yeah yeah it's, oh yeah we can sympathize with each other oh it's good but i i always like to believe that um I, i'll tell you this and i'm sure you agree i would have never wanted to be the first like that would be by far like the the first child like it's the worst i would Coop, never want to do that. Manning. Dude, dude there's no way cooper manning never heard of him Oh, he's a he's a billionaire oil tycoon. Oh, okay, his younger brothers won a few Super Bowls. Whatever. Yeah, so he hasn't done much. <laughs> well, <Cooper>. athletically, <laughs> business wise, sure. Oh, oh, you mean Peyton uh, Peyton's brother, the older brother? Yeah, Cooper. Doesn't he? Isn't he like short with a terrible hairline? No, 
I've allegedly he's the better athlete out of all of them, but then had a back injury at college football. Huh. huh. The phantom back injury was a sciatica. I don't remember. I don't know. We can <laughs> <That's always>, <laughs> uh, Yeah. What? Do you know how many great athletes have won and won Super Bowls and been to the Hall of Fame if only they hadn't got hurt? With One a back at this table, baby. <laughs> I'm right here, people. Oh, dude, it, uh, I'm, I'm sure you hear it too. Like the minute people hear that you played sports at any level, I gotta, you know, I always get this. Uh, I could have played it, you know, I could have been great, but if only. And I'm always like, oh, I believe it. Yeah. I see it. Yeah. And then they want to show me their high school football tapes. John, that was once. <laughs> <laughs> so, coach, did the passion for basketball draw you to work with these athletes, or was it a team you were assigned to at UConn? How did you fall into this specific sport? You know, um, I don't know how I fell into that specific sport, but I, I felt like, you know, my mentor, Jerry Martin, who has passed since, and uh, Dr. Kramer was at UConn at the time. So we had a world-renowned researcher right down the hall. There were other great researchers, too, with um, Heat Tolerance Lab. Um, yeah, there was just a lot going on in terms of research and practical stuff. And we had a really small weight room, and it had just archaic um, equipment, but it was like an athlete factory. We were going and just driving people through this. And I feel like I got good at some of the things because of the amount of reps that we did. And there wasn't any specialization at the time. Um, I would rather, again, if I look for an assistant, I would almost rather they work for so many sports versus just one, you know, because again, there were two of us for 700 athletes at UConn at the time. And it was just reps, a bunch of reps. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I don't even remember the question you were asking. How did you fall into basketball? But Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, so um, I feel like there was a little bit of turnover, and then uh, my, my, my mentor at the time lived like an hour and a half away from school. So it was like I was always available. So I was always the one going in and doing the odd hours and, you know, the weekends and stuff like that. And it just came into that, okay, well, basketball was the priority there and men's women's basketball were winning. And it was just, we were always around. Um, And even when I left UConn, I think I had like five or six sports that I was working with. It wasn't just basketball, but if there was travel to be done, it was, I traveled with men, um, And I don't know. And uh, yeah, it's just, I don't think it matters so much the sport. It just matters the athlete, right? So somehow I got termed as a basketball person. So what you're saying is you train athletes like athletes, and then you let the sports-specific work (laughs) happen out on the court or the field. I mean, I know this is going to sound crazy, but there's fundamental things that all athletes do, and you... Doesn't matter if it's football or basketball or whatever it is. You train athletes like athletes, and you know the crazy thing is, too, we don't even we develop that specific strength in here for the sport, and we don't even condition them anymore. You know, because hopefully they're playing their sport enough that mm-hmm. sounds we crazy. Don't have to, I know, right? Yeah. And it's like that falls in yeah. line with Texas war on the conditioning text yeah. conditioning uh, test. Uh, test. Yeah. But I mean, you've got to remember like, as you go higher up on the pyramid, uh, you know, conditioning becomes, or I, hopefully like the mental aspect of conditioning 
becomes the purpose. Yeah. Like for a high school kid, you have to curb stomp them or like even like the younger guys that come into a program, you probably are on them in a different way to try to get them into the culture fit. Then you get guys once they get at the top or in the, or, you know, professional leagues, but like you don't have to push those people. Like to do it. state that purpose. And this goes back to a lesson from Raf, And I guess something he took away from Alvar meal, Alvar meal had all these performance tests for his 49ers and his bulls. And then he had one test, and it was 90 seconds of box jump overs. I don't remember how tall the box was. And Raf asked him, why the hell do you have this test in there? I understand all the performance aspects. And he's like, well, I'm testing heart. If you get a guy that's going to you know, mentally quit on a 90-second test or be too good for it, he's going to lose you championships. Mm-hmm. And so he put that in there for his championship teams. So that's a good purpose, but... I run into a lot of sport coaches that just want to make sure they're in shape. Oh, yeah. Do you know why? Because that's by far the easiest thing to do. As we know, it's like, uh, you know, if you're a a coach that doesn't have a lot of tools in the toolbox and you want to just give the impression you know what you're doing, what do you do? You just fucking grind them into the earth. I agree with that because it was a first-year coach at G-Town that I really went to war with. He won a national championship, and then he brought the, the conditioning test to that team because that's what won him the national championship, right? No, but he truly believed it, and I couldn't break through to that sport coach. Well, why, why should you? You didn't win a national championship. You oh, well, I was anything. also a D3 all-star, so <laughs> yeah. I know, right? Yeah, but. <laughs> Except for the fact that we run the world, right, McQuilkin? It's, it's spike ball. In our, in my world, you mean beating an intern. Uh, and my two-year-old. Hey, listen, he's, he's got the bloodline, man. Dude, so that's a big victory for pretty, us. Uh, my little boy gets up at uh, 530 and basically sits by the door because he knows we leave at about six to go to the gym. And oh. uh, he's literally ready to go. Daddy, take me. So we go up there, which takes it should be about a 30 second commute, but it takes us probably 15 minutes to get up there. because We got to stop. <laughs> he every... also drives. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, decided he has a little uh, a little power wheel. And today he's like, Daddy, I'm going to take the or let's wheel. And I'm like, all right. And watching him drive in the dark in a power wheel was uh, needless to say, my heart rate was up a little bit. But he we actually did it. Yeah, and then he comes in and wants to get his workout in, and then he goes over and gets a water. He drinks a little milk, and then he's done. He's ready to go. Let's go eat, Dad. So I like his style. <laughs> now, Andrew, for your development of coaches, you had a unique opportunity at UConn to develop. You had your mentor and 700 athletes. Now times have changed a little bit in the industry where you got your team, 20, 20 or so athletes, but then a large amount of resources so how do you focus on developing the coaches that don't get necessarily the hours that you got yeah and i think um so this is a shared facility men's basketball drives kind of the culture um and there's probably maybe 12 to 13 sports that work out here so with our younger coaches it's if if you're sitting in your office and there's a team out there, you're you know you're doing the wrong thing. <laughs> Get as many reps as you possibly can. Uh, learn from everybody. Um, you know, just it, it, even when men's basketball comes in, there's six or seven certified strength coaches on the floor working with 15 guys, and I would tell you that, that probably doesn't happen most places. So it's about learning and this, you know, the biggest question I get, okay, you're a female. How do you work with guys? You know, how do you get the guys to listen to you? You teach them. Become valuable, right? Right. Yeah. Know, show your value with that. Get to know them, get them to like you. Boom. Yeah. Care. Mm-hmm. And that helps. So, yeah. and one thing that we've had a number of strength coaches on, one thing that you've brought up that some of these other guys haven't is the bridge 
or this this parallel between the science, there's researchers on facility and then bridging to the practice of some of this research. How, how have you been involved in some of that research in your career? Yeah, with uh, Dr. Kramer, we used to have research um, coming out of the weight room and here with Dr. Fry, we, we do that too. And, you know, you read the research and you try to implement it the best you can. It's not always perfect. Um, you know, the technology allows us to do some different things too with, uh, we have elite form and Sparta and then even marrying those two and getting those two technologies to, to talk to each other. We've, we've developed some things organically that we didn't even realize what was going on. Like one of them is, um, when our freshmen come in, they're usually the last ones done in the workout because they're not used to it. They, they don't have that, that volume. They don't have that, that resume of work. So they're always the last ones done. And, um, we've, we've kind of termed this power density thing where, um, like when you push start on the elite form out of season, it takes longer to get the set done. And then when we're in season and we're working, it, it's like, we got to get to practice because we actually lift before practice on low dose, stimulating work mm -hmm. as a warm up to get to our practice session. So um, we coined this power density thing where we're doing the same amount of power or work in a session. It's just uh, decreases over time, which is cool, mm -hmm. you know, because then there's a conditioning effect to that. Right, right. So it'd be like reduced load and increased power, right? Power, it'd be kind of a lower load. Or your, your compensatory acceleration type stuff? Uh, how, are yeah. you, how are you guys measuring power? Elite form. So you're, that's kind of like, um, is that the Tendo deal with the cameras? Yeah, it's a, uh, it's not it's not tethered to anything. It's a 3D power tracker, gotcha. but it's similar, same stuff, but it's like a Tendo, you know, uh, souped up because we're wireless and paperless and mm -hmm. they can track on the iPad and things like that. And then, and then that information... If we, if we keep it and test it as a power or a work or, you know, velocity thing that's downloaded to our computer so we can follow it. So we don't even test anymore. We just follow trends in terms of what the guys are doing. So you have you almost have like a, a, a trend line plotted and you're just fitting these guys to that because that's what you've seen maximum yep. performance of. Man, how, yeah. how often do you guys use the Sparta? Um, it's been, so probably once every three weeks or once every month we'll test because the more we've done it, the better we've got at predicting, um, in season, we'll use it a little bit more just to look at rate of force production. Cause if that rate of force production goes down, it's like, okay, well maybe we just need a recovery session. So, mm -hmm. um, so the Sparta is like once every three weeks or once every month. The women test once a week, once a week, and that's been cool to watch because we've actually looked at some partial range of motion stuff with um, women who haven't been strong, and we overload them in a partial range, and they don't get sore, um, and we see that rate of force production go through the roof. Mm. So it has a really big effect really quickly. And that would be so you're talking about untrained female athletes who are coming into the program, right? And they just, they don't have the reps or the opportunity behind them coming in and you're, you're seeing success with partial range motion. Uh, yeah, it depends on who they are, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, with, if they're not a reactive type of athlete and they're supposed to be reactive mm -hmm. in basketball, right. uh, which then leaves an op if they're not reactive, that leaves an opportunity for like an ACL tear, sure. right? So, 
um, we, we can really get a stimulus going to increase that rate. And also you're talking about taller athletes, especially for like on the girl side. Yeah, longer. I mean, yeah, just, I mean, you know, sometimes full range of motion movements are, you know, extremely difficult when you look at, um, I mean, almost, I remember some of the basketball girls when I played at Cal looked like spiders. They had these like little tiny upper bodies and they have these massively long limbs. Mm-hmm. And like for them to travel to squat was like even a, you know, I mean, two or three inches above parallel would, you know, still, if you look at the length at which sure. they were traveling, it was unreal. So yeah, I, I could see where like partial ranges of motions or, or uh, partial range of motion or, or even, you know, uh, like Bulgarian split squat or some of those other things were almost more beneficial yeah, for them. Mike Boyle, yeah. buddy. Yeah, I mean, it, it's true. I mean, everybody wants to apply the same set of tools to everybody. But when you get into athletes that have a specific body type or a specific usage that is, like, uh, you know, sectioned out specifically for their sport, I mean, you bring in a girl who's, like, 6'10", 7 feet tall, I mean, which is, you know, huge in terms of even guy size, and you have to make modifications. Yeah, and we those are the people that we really had a lot of success with are those taller athletes who, you know, might not even have the range of motion to get down sure. into a deep squat. Uh, but we'll make sure we try to hit that with body weight so they right. don't lose it. Um, they, you know, we had a, a shorter guard um, that she got good at running and jogging around the court because she was a good shooter. So then she doesn't learn the defensive skills in high school. She's not reactive. The coach always has her in the game and she's just jogging around. Well, she doesn't develop the reactive skills to get to become a good basketball player. She tears her ACL. She expresses her strength so well in the weight room. Like she's our best athlete in the weight room, but yet you see her on the court and you're like, run, <laughs> you know, <laughs> So that was a kid that we took aside and we started doing partial range, even though she was really good at catching a clean and a full squat doing, I mean, with 80 kilos and she's killing it, but yet she couldn't show it on the court. And we dove a little deeper and just started partial range and reactivity went through the roof. Do do you guys do any speed work? I mean, uh, like actually like on the track type, uh, speed type stuff with the basketball players. No, we don't. Um, we're just trying to, they get, they run a lot, right? Um, the women we do, um, but the guys, we don't just, I think the intensity is a little bit different with the guys, you know, we do speed development, but there's no true straight line. Most of those guys that are really good athletes, um, they lack the impulse that we see in a Sparta test. So they're not good. Like for them to hit top speed, they'll probably pull a hamstring or groin. Big diva basketball players can't go fast, huh? Let's get into the person. <laughs> let's get into the personality side. Well, no, no. Think, think about how many games they played. Like, oh, that, oh, yeah. that was one thing that always blew me away with about the basketball guys. It's just how many games they played. I was like, God damn, that's a lot of games. One of the things that we saw with uh, Doctor Fry was we were looking at power output over the season, and I was thinking the high minute guys, the guys that play above thirty minutes, uh, you'd see a decrease in power output, and then the mid range guys who we could lift a little bit more, uh, we. I thought we'd see an increase because they were getting more rest. And what we actually saw was um, you have to be in competition and you have to match game speeds and velocities to increase power output. So if you're a mid-range guy, your power output doesn't go as much as the guys that are playing 35 minutes. It's crazy Mm. because they're 18-year-old guys and 18 to 21 and they just adapt. Mm -hmm. It's crazy. Yeah, got to be able to do it to perform, right? Yeah. And yeah, then it's yeah. your job to make sure that your training doesn't rob from that, right? And it's cool that right. now, like now, you have these 
these metrics and these KPIs to look at a dashboard and be like, all right, this guy's. Yeah, but also if you take like an 18 to 21 year old guy, especially in this environment, you can pretty much like set him on fire and beat him with a stick and he's still going to get better. <laughs> like I, I was thinking about in college, like I, we, you know, our coach would be like, hey, we're going to do this. And we would kind of just be like, oh, let's work up to a single. And we all got stronger and he'd be like, oh, everything's working. And we're like, I don't know. Like we go out and run as fast as we can. We would go out. We would like be like, oh, it's burrito night and uh, endless beer night. And then we're going to mm-hmm. get up at five, you know, 5 a.m. to be at 6 a.m. conditioning and everybody was fine. Dude, now I would, uh, I'd be fucked for like a month. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, God, I ate those burritos and drank that beer. I don't know if I'm able to train for this month. This is going to be awful. I, I mean, looked at a beer and smelled the tortilla. <laughs> I'm dead. Oh, dude. And then like uh, having like stayed up, I'm like, God, you know, like uh, if my, my kids weren't sleeping for like the last like couple weeks and uh, it just my whole life was ruined. And like they slept through last night. I woke up today at like 530. I was like excited for life. <laughs> so now, I mean, it just that point in your life, it's probably the greatest point if we could just clone that and just let every 40 year old dude just live in that part of uh feeling i'd be stoked so (laughs) so we we had sherry ma on a while back and she performed research with the stanford basketball team in sleep and showing the value and actually getting them to sleep stanford the team's performance increased how do you try to get these guys that are on top of the world in terms of their sport to invest in sleep and recovery practices yeah, we, we, um, Sherry's great. Uh, we try to educate them as much as we can. Um, and understanding that they're 18 to 21 year old in college. Um, I guess, you know, as the season progresses, um, the conference, uh, games are really important and that's when we have most control because we're traveling. So coach self is absolutely great about getting these guys, um, rest, get their legs up, get them off their, get them off their feet. Uh, the, the longer the season goes, cause then we can control their nutrition and everything else. So it's kind of like an organic natural thing that happens throughout the season that, um, is pretty cool to see. They, they will get better nutrition and they will get more sleep just cause we control it. Yeah, and they're probably getting tired. They're like, I'm just going to sleep. <laughs> yeah, I'm listening. But also, uh, they have a year-round training table now, too. So that makes a huge difference, which was like a huge change in the NCAA when they went to that. Because before, it was like one meal only during the season. It's awful. Yeah. Now they have like year-round, like every meal. Like, I can't even imagine that. be pretty good. Times are changing. Divas, divas, divas. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you figure these kids, I mean, they go to the tourney and you look at how much money they bring into the school and they're like, well, here's your, you know, scholarship check. Yeah, true. I was thinking, <laughs> why know? didn't we get a meal plan? I'm like, yeah, we're not going to any tourneys. And yeah. it's also Division Three, bottom of the anyway so <laughs> did, did did you see a tear glisten down your face you single tear a single tear just lots one? of tears <laughs> <laughs> so i guess you how has basketball evolved right we get the aeus that are taking over our kids are they familiar with the barbell they're scared of a barbell coming in do they want to listen are they their mind on one and done how has the kid changed that you've been working with Um, I don't think ours have changed necessarily. The culture that we have, I've been here for, this is 15 years. So I think we kind of have a pretty good system. Um, If they don't lift, they fall behind really fast. You know, I can't say that happens everywhere. Um, Our culture is Coach Self wants to bring in guys that are willing to work hard and um, are self-starters and – want to want to make it to the next level so they know that you know there there's some guys that have mentioned that they came here 
you know, because of coach self and everything, but also because they knew they were going to get good training, um, and, and figure that out. So, uh, our culture hasn't changed. I could see that culture being different other places. Do you get a chance to lift with the kids while they're being recruited? Because I remember a story from double a, he'd have the guys come in and mm-hmm. you get to squat with them and I forget if while they were recruits tens tens. Recruit? Oh, no, no, I'm thinking of his coach. Yeah. I'm thinking of coaches. I can't imagine a kid on his recruiting trip getting in there lifting weights with the yeah, coaches. Sure be good though. Nah, I'd what about having an intern test? Do you have any pre-coach tests you put them through working up to tens on the squats? Uh, no, I, I feel like we have a pretty good vetting system. Luke Bradford, one of the assistants here is in charge, or he's the associate head coach. He's in charge of uh, vetting the interns. I always, you know, you get some interns that just because they lift, they think they're a good coach, you know, and that's not the case. <laughs> that's not the case. <laughs> oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we we want uh, we want them to show us that they're willing to learn. You know, again, you could lift a house, but you might not be able to tell somebody how to do that. What are some of the, I guess, tests that you put them through to see if they are willing to learn? Uh, well, one is to see if they can write an email that has everything corrected, spelled correctly, right? Mm, yeah. <laughs> and, are they addressing the right person? Is it, uh, was it an email sent to like 50 other people? You know, I, I guess that would be the first one. And then are they willing to come here on their own dime possibly and just hang out and see what we're about? Um, I hired uh, one of Donnie's, uh, I, I think she was an intern at the time, only because she facilitated uh, where Donnie and I were meeting and she facilitated the meeting and she pulled up a chair to help, you know, facilitate the meeting and i was like emotional intelligence goes a long way too Mm -hmm. yeah so um i don't know they're just i think people have different skills um i can't lift anymore i'm too old i'm too injured you know i I have this uh older woman workout that i do i wish i could squat but i can't so um you know there's a lot of emotional intelligence too If, if people can make a room easier or make a room better, have energy, um, and not take from it, then, you know, I'll hire anybody. And sneak into the facility? And sneak mm-hmm. into the facility. <laughs> so then I guess going along a uh, uh, conversation we had previously about athletes, how has the internship pool evolved or strayed from uh, early experiences with young and, and hungry coaches? Is it a different different dynamic, a different coaching mindset coming in? I think so because they're enamored by sport and you know the glory of sport but that's like 0.5 percent of what you see right and then they're they're missing they want to be a basketball strength if somebody emails me and says hey I want to intern for basketball under you I'm like no you know I was a volleyball player um I I, I've been on the receiving end of some negative things uh, being a lower sport and that's what I don't want. I want anybody who I'll coach whoever, mm-hmm. you know, it doesn't matter who you are. Um, I just ended up in this basketball world, you know, so they have to be willing to coach people and these interns, they just want to specialize. And I'm like, no, <laughs> it's about reps. So if we have, a, if we have a young and hungry strength coach who wants to get into a specific sport, what advice listening now, uh, what advice do you have to him? What type of mentorship could you offer to say, to crack them out of that mindset of being fixated on one sport? 
I, I again, I think you only learn through repetition, and um, I don't think there's enough repetition in one sport to get that under your belt. The experience is under your belt because you're, you're dealing with, you never know what people's background is or where they're coming from uh, or how they learn or what they, what they do. So I appreciate cultures of every sports or every sports team or every individual team that you can. And I don't think you, you can develop an intelligence with working with people if you just specify in this one area. That's why I like being a, the, you know, in charge of this room because we see all types of athletes. You know, if I didn't see all types of athletes, that takes me out of that the collegiate world. I know you're doing a lot to to push the industry, stealing from from Brian Mann, and you have your Midwest Clinic. So, how long has that been going on? What inspired you? Because I know it's not easy to organize one of those things. What inspired you to to kick that off and plant that flag? Um, you know, what inspired me was. We have a beautiful facility, and most people don't get to see it. What inspired it was in 2008, um, I just wanted a grassroots thing to, that the community come, could come in and see what we're about and show that, yeah, we just don't work in a weight room. You know, this is about science and research, and we have some great people that are great friends, and we're going to invite them and come in. It wasn't to, um, it was just to break even, just to show people the facility and host people and show them that there are great things going on here, and that Kansas is a beautiful place. And that's how it started originally. Um we had a couple years of that one, and then uh, the administration asked that I uh, run it through an LLC, so it's run like a camp or clinic, and then they made me make money <laughs> with it, you know, and I was like, okay, well, this was just supposed to be a good uh, Samaritan thing, but, you know, now it, it's, we we're hoping that 350 people will come this year. And um, most of the people that uh, speak are either friends or, you know, we're curious about what they do and how they do things. And, you know, we'd love for everybody to come and speak, but it's just, you know, we only have a certain amount of slots to fill. Mm -hmm. So, and it keeps our costs down, especially if Dr. Fry presents or I present, you know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. And that's every May? Uh, this year it's going to be in 2019, it's May uh, 10th. Yeah. It's, we host it on spot, uh, stop day, so there's free parking. <laughs> Beautiful. No, we can, I mean, we sympathize with, with your selection criteria, and that's often, that's how we run the podcast. We, you know, we, we all regularly inform our listeners, we don't care what you think, because this isn't about you, for once. It's about us, and we get to do what we want and talk to who we want. And, and that's also our symposium as well at the end of the year is, you know, it's like, who should we, ha who do we want to hear more from, right? And we do that yeah. in December, and then, uh, I don't know, I think we can, we throw a pretty good party. People tend to enjoy it, right? And When's old, yours? I'm so, going to write it down. December 7th, 8th, and 9th in downtown Austin, Texas. I think we throw better than a little average party. Oh, listen. I think we... Well, Luke is practicing. It. He's getting reps at modesty, which is very difficult. So I what the <laughs> fuck? Good job. Listen, it's man. It's true. I, I, I wait. I thought his mod that modesty uh, bit was that was sarcasm. Is this sarcasm? Why did you touch my hand? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm working on practicing emotional intelligence, trying to impress Coach Andrew. <laughs> hey, thanks, Tex. Uh, I don't know if I do. You have any emotional intelligence? Oh yeah. 
I just yes, I do. <laughs> strategically <laughs> yes, play that part. Uh, we John, need... good job. Uh, I did see you reading uh, uh, that book the other day. Wasn't it like how to have emotional intelligence? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. We need buy to set John up, Wellborn. We need, John, John, we need to buy a URL called uh, Tex McQuilkin Human Coach. And then, like, like, I don't know if you've ever seen Ted Cruz for Human President. It's fucking hilarious. Well, we need that for old McQuilkin over oh, here. Oh, you, you saying he's a robot? Yeah. No. I disagree. <laughs> That's I, what a robot would say. I don't know if anybody's... <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you can disagree when people are making fun of you. You're like, no, 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 this isn't funny. No, I don't have... I actually I, like I, the strategy, man. What? To just be like, no, I don't think that was funny. No. Yeah, but the one thing he lacks is emotional intelligence, and he doesn't have a sense of humor. We haven't downloaded mm-hmm. that part of his program yet. Yeah, well, Or it's so high that y'all just don't understand. Uh, that was an eye roll oh, for our dude. listeners. I just gave a legit eye roll. Our guest is over here just like, uh, Yeah, poor Andrea is listening to, to you justify your sense of humor over there. She's like, Robot I had an intern, no, broken. She's like, I had an intern why, like you once, and we killed him. I'm just wondering why John's sitting next to the fridge. <laughs> well, that's how he gets you know, an easy well, reach on his snacks. <laughs> it's actually the coolest place because it actually is just giving off uh, uh, like a nice, you know, cool breeze because <laughs> we live here in Texas and it's hot. Even though it's October, it's still hot. So, yeah. We got to put this thing in a different place. No, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Andrea, so what's what's next? I mean, I guess you're you're woven in, your program's woven into a lot of this research stuff. What's on the cutting edge for us? Is there anything you could like pull back the curtains on, on, on uh, maybe less common type of practices that you're working with with your sports? that wouldn't give away your competitive advantage? No, I, I, you know, uh, the one thing that I've learned from the great coaches that I've worked with hall of fame coaches is that it's an open book and you're willing to share. Um, you know, as soon as we do come up with something new, we tend to throw it out there and share it just to get people talking about it. Um, you know, uh, with Phil at Sparta, we're using, you know, specific exercises to, um, uh, to develop specific needs of each athlete. So they've statistically proven what uh, exercises have the biggest impact on the variables that we're trying to deal with. So um, we use minimal number of exercises. Um, we just keep trying to drive home what we need. You know, it, it's a pretty simple program, um, but complex in thought, I think. I guess it sounds like there's a complex diagnostic phase, right? And then you just keep repeating the shit that works until yep. it doesn't. And then you re-diagnose and then re Well, it's, it's kind of a ratchet. We, Phil and I have talked about it, and it's kind of a ratcheting system. Like we had, uh, I'll, I'll use the athlete's name, Diedrich Lawson. He transferred from another school, and they didn't lift. You know, they said they did, but I don't know if they did. Um, his his results show that he didn't. Um, and then we, we have to develop that rate of force production and posturing skills and things to help him react as a basketball player. You build that and then you undo it because he becomes a high performer and then you build it back and then you undo it. So it's this ratcheting system of, okay, he's a high performer. Let's undo it and create health. We got the health. Now let's create the performer. So, Um, I think the big thing is there's a difference between health and performance. And the biggest thing that we need is every athlete available. You know, I don't care how high they jump, you know, just as long as they can do it versus being hurt. Um, But 
there is an increase in performance because we can see it every day with the elite form or the Sparta. Um, but I want them to feel good. I want them to be healthy. I want them to want to practice. I want them to be mentally healthy, to be motivated and not call it a grind. You know, it's not a grind if it's fun. Mm-hmm. Zach tells us you're an incredibly competitive person. Only so, with him. Only with Zach. <laughs> okay. But some coaches, especially young coaches, get into fall into a trap of wanting it more than their athletes. And this goes for gym owners, too. So any advice for, I guess, containing your competitive nature when dealing with the athletes that don't necessarily want it as bad but are super talented? Yeah, I always say that um, our our core values, you know, the one thing that you can always fall back on is who you are as a person and what you value the most. And one of mine is a passion for teaching, but not everybody's passionate about the weight room, right? So I have to be able to, it's, it's that old age old question, what are your weaknesses and your strengths? And I always give them the same answer. My weaknesses are my strengths and my strengths are my weaknesses. So um, passion. I have a passion for, for teaching what we do and how we do it in competition, but not everybody is. So I have to understand that, you know? So, um, the one, I guess, piece of advice is I, that has never failed me is always put the athlete first. That's easy. It's hard, but it's easy. Mm-hmm. Simple and right. Simple. But <laughs> yeah. can be complex at times. <laughs> What else we got over there, McQuoken? Well, I asked Zach for some questions to, to feed you, and he said he had to go through a bike, a bike, notorious bike race with you. Yeah, um, I, I can't. I, I've, I've destroyed my knee. I need a knee replacement so I can just ride my bike. Um, so we go on trails out around here, and then our finisher is. People think Kansas is flat. Well, Lawrence is not flat at all. There are some major hills here. Um, so we, we'll finish with, uh, you have to stay seated on a bike, on the seat to get up the hill after like a 16-mile bike ride. And um, it's fun. You know, and, and Zach, one time we do an intern test sometimes that these interns say they want it, they want it, they want it. Well, let's see how bad you want it because you can't stop in front of an athlete. Like if you're competing with an athlete, you can't stop. And you need to win as a coach. If you're going to challenge an athlete, you need to win. So uh, what's it going to take to win? Um, the one time we rode up and down this hill five times and Zach was, he was struggling a little bit. Ooh, world of hurt for old yeah. double Z, huh? Yeah. Well, that's why he rides a scooter now, but. <laughs> <laughs> Bird. What kind of scooters he rides? Birds, all downtown. Oh, he rides one of those things. Oh, yeah. oh I, I was thinking more like a Vespa. I was picturing maybe, him in like maybe we should get him one. I, I was I, I was kind of picturing him in like a, a UT colored Vespa with the matching helmet with the checkerboards <laughs> on it. He would do it too. He'd be like, "Hey, uh, my Vespa's great. What's the problem?" To no me, shit. that's the ultimate sign of success. Like you know, you made it when you match your helmet with your Vespa and then your Rolex. Uh, like they all match. My buddy in Philly actually he owned the Vespa dealership. Uh-huh. And so I got to ride all the Vespas, and it was by far one of the funnest things to drive around Philly on a Vespa. Uh, I always selected the baby blue one, which was my favorite, mm-hmm. and uh, got to cruise in a Vespa. I mean, you feel really like a, if you had a scarf and maybe some big sunglasses, you feel real Italian. I really am feeling these like <laughs> Team Vespas starting to stir up. You know, uh, the party barge might no, be out, and no. now we're going Team I've, Vespas. I've been on Craigslist looking for go-karts. 
Oh, all right. Uh, and um, I have a feeling that we could actually create, maybe get a fleet of like four or five, maybe $200 go-karts. And uh, maybe I could build some roll cages for them. Uh, maybe put some Predator motors from Harbor Freight. And I was thinking we could have a little uh, go-kart derby here. John, do you oh, remember that? that? Do you remember we we like have the- 16 acres here in Texas. And uh, so my house is here. And then this is our office. And then our, the, the building, our gym is up there. And so... Um, we could probably we'll be doing that December seventh, eighth, and ninth. Maybe, maybe, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're definitely going to have people here, so we we have one. Of our practical session is actually going to be here at the ranch, and uh, but I've been looking for these um, go karts. John, remember there was like <laughs> something came across there years ago that was like on a GoFundMe or something, and it was like a stand-up jet ski, right? But it was ground based and on a tank tread, and there was people, those dudes like doing yeah. donuts and taking them off jumps and stuff. Yeah, I think we get those. Well, uh, if you don't remember, there was a guy who had uh, an electric bike, or they were like electric all terrain vehicle little riders. Uh, yeah, single wheel. Huge, yeah, no, they well they they were two wheels, but they were these things. And, okay. and I actually hit the guy up, and he came out and demoed them at our place. What? And I, we were all about him until he told us the price, and then I was like, dude, you got. He was like, oh, they they started like thirty six hundred dollars. Party barges out. <laughs> and and uh, I remember uh, Eric Jensen was like, what? And uh, our buddy was, uh, uh, he's an engineer. And he's like, for uh, Boeing, uh, yeah, right? for Boeing. He's like, uh, John, if uh, this dude doesn't get out of here, I'm going to punch him in his face. Like, and so I was like, <laughs> I guess we can't buy him. But uh, I mean, like, uh, like I thought they were going to be like a couple hundred bucks. Like, yeah. like yeah, maybe at most, though, at yeah. most six or eight hundred dollars. And the dude said thirty six hundred. I'm like, for all of them? He's like, no, one. I was like, oh. He said head or gut to that guy. Uh, Right, head or gut. You know, the the problem is you get in trouble playing head or gut games these days. Uh, There there, there was a point where my brothers and I would go to bars and have drinks and play that game. (laughs) And people would get a little nervous because my brothers, uh, they're all about my size. And uh, then people get nervous. And then we get thrown out. That's how we got thrown out of Cassidy's. That will happen. Yeah. We actually would go to this bar in Newport Beach, and I've been asked to, well, they never threw me out. They've asked me to leave every single time Kindly I've been leave. there. They've been like, you have to go. Because they can't throw you out. Oh, I know. I, I even said to them, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to leave. Because if I don't leave, and you guys try to get me, it's going to be fucking bad for everybody. Mm-hmm. And then my brother, who's a lawyer, is like, yeah, let's go. Be like Roadhouse throwing people through the front window. <laughs> it would have been great. We could have done it. Well, I used to tell their bouncers, I'm like, you guys are fat and out of shape. Yeah, I know. And they're like, yeah, yeah. We work for Cassidy's. Yeah, exactly. I make $8 an hour and I get free burgers. I'm like, that's a good job, man. We should do this. <laughs> Coach, let's touch quickly on your evolution of communication. You mentioned your knee, and a good tool as a young coach is to demo. But eventually we get to the point where we can't demo, or we get to, we're a D3 all-star, and we're working with athletes that are well beyond our capabilities, and we can't show so how has your ability to communicate how to move versus just show evolved throughout your career? Um, yeah, I, I'm a person. I, I don't think I have very many words to share, you know, um, and our guys are athletic enough that if you just show them one time, they, they pick it up pretty well. Um, but that's where I'll use, a, you know, a junior or senior who, who, does it really well um we're constant feedback though it's it's whether it's a negative feedback or criticism or correction they need to make or positive feedback it's all the time it's not you know i want energy in here and i i want people talking i want people communicating um so it's fun with that so um simple we keep it simple you know kiss kiss principle the kiss yeah. method yeah yeah any well, oh go ahead 
I was going to ask if there's any authors or books. I know Donnie's a big reader. Do you search outside of the strength world to try to better improve your, your strength game? Um, yeah, uh, I, like I said, I'm almost done with my MBA. So that's been, um, you know, kind of a leadership and entrepreneur focus. So I, I like to challenge myself by getting outside of what I'm comfortable with. Um, and that's definitely not comfortable for me because, again, you pigeonhole yourself into studying exercise and research. And you know that money rules the world, though. So you have to figure that part out of life. And, you know, um, it's nice to be in the business school, too, because that's just a different field than any exercise kind of curriculum that I've been a part of. Um, there's a lot of uh, collaboration and people working to, together, not trying to one up somebody. Ever take a class with an athlete? Yeah, I'm in one right now. It's no hysterical. Kidding. They're like, what are you doing here? Learning. <laughs> You're like, I'm watching you. <laughs> they put me in this class to make sure you guys don't fuck it up. <laughs> Do they? Are they in the front row? I am. I'm trying to be a good role model, you know? Nice. So. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Mm-hmm. It's kind of awkward. Well, sitting hey- here. Andrea, thanks for your time. I mean, it was a great chat. And I guess one place that we could point folks to is uh, your clinic. Where could they learn more about the clinic? Yeah, um, it, shoot. Social media would probably be, it, again, we're just a lean kind of sure. startup thing. And social media is the best way that we get out of it. And uh, we don't have anything out there for this conference on May 10th yet, but we will. And then where, where should they follow you on social media? Um, Instagram's a underscore H U D Y. I believe Twitter is the same thing. A underscore H U D Y. And then Facebook's Andrea. Hootie. Awesome. So Thank ladies and gentlemen, if you want to get down and out, out and down, well, it depends where you're coming from, I guess, over to Kansas and get in on this clinic. What is the name of it? It's the Midwest sports performance Conference. Midwest sports performance conference. Do it. Get on awesome. the, the social and follow Andrea and keep your ear to the rail because it's coming, baby. And go KU. And go KU. Rock chalk. Thanks again, Andrea. Awesome chat. Thank and you. thanks again, Power Athlete Nation. Thank you, guys. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Start following Andrea Hootie on Instagram through her personal page, A underscore Hootie, or her team page, at KU Hoops. She spoke of the Midwest Sports Performance Conference, which is TBA, but usually occurs sometime in the spring of each year, so look out for that. And as you've heard, the not-so-silent auction, uh, which, in my opinion, should really be dubbed the sloppy auction since our aim is to prey on your lowered inhibitions, it will include everything that you heard from the guys and some fucking amazing surprises. Some things that I know about, you don't know about, but we're trying to keep under the wraps. I am super pumped to let the old hairs down and throw some money at this worthy cause come December. Hope to see you there. Until next time, bye!